really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And it's, I don't know, whatever. Week 8, 9, 32. I've forgotten. Where are we? What month is this? What year? Are we still in 2020? That's what I want to know. Is it still 2020? I'm ready for New Year's 2020 and whatever 21 has to has to bring us. Uh, maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. So I, I wanted to talk about fear today. It's kind of like a staple in my life, and I know I'm not alone. And so I thought, hey, why don't we just talk about it anyway? So uh, yesterday was Mother's Day. And my daughter bought me a journal, a new journal. And uh, it's got like this cork cover. I think it's like supposed to be like eco-friendly or something. Like they recycled the corks from wine bottles or something like that. And then turned it into a journal. Anyway, nothing's open, really. And there's no bookstores or anything like that. No, none of the places where I normally get journals. So I'm like, where did you get a journal? And she's like, I got it at Rite Aid. So I have a brand new journal that I'm writing in today from Rite Aid that was purchased during a pandemic. And somehow that just seems appropriate for right now. I think that universal truths are found in... Uh, in the particulars, and a journal from Rite Aid during a pandemic on Mother's Day. Yeah, that pretty much sounds about right. And uh, I love it. Uh, I love the idea of, in some ways, how the pandemic has forced us to all be minimalists. I was listening to someone last week talk about how all I want to do is just go to the mall and go shopping. And I thought, surely, surely there must be more important things in this world that you want to get back to rather than just going to the mall and go window shopping. Um, But maybe that's her, you know, comfort food, I guess. Anyway, my, my daughter bought me this journal and she put a little sticky note on it, which I taped on the inside of this journal that just said, for your new venture, happy Mother's Day. And uh, if Friday, I had to quit my other job. So I'm bivocational pastor. Uh, I don't know, tri-vocational, quad-vocational, whatever. So I, I pastor a church. And I also do some chaplain work for another company. And I do the admin stuff for my husband's small business. And I had taken on this other job doing data entry for a medical records company. And, you know, sometimes I'm struck by lately, at least this last month or so, I'm struck by the verse in Isaiah where where the prophet says, whether you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I've I've often used that verse for, or meditated on that verse in seasons where I have to make decisions. 
Um, especially because uh, fear plays such a big role in me making decisions. And so one of the things that helps me is that verse that whether I turn to the right or the left, I will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. So in other words, if we get too far off the path of what, of the direction that God is trying to point us, um, he will continue to speak to us. He will continue to direct us. If we turn to the left and that we weren't supposed to go left, or if we turn to the right and we weren't supposed to go right, he will he will gently send his spirit to bring us back. Sometimes, uh, not so gently. I think he initially starts off gently and then he gets a little more uh, assertive in getting our attention. And he got my attention and said, you, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to make it so obvious that uh, I'm going to make it physically impossible for you to go and do this job and to walk this path. So it felt a little bit like Balaam and his donkey. Uh, finally saw the angel of the Lord standing in the, in the road saying, um, this is not the direction you're supposed to be going. And, and so quit my job. And so as, as I was journaling this morning, I just really sensed over the weekend, even as I was praying, that there's some things that God wants me to do, some directions that he's saying, this is where you need to be going. And I, and I wrote in my journal, I'm afraid. And then the next sentence I wrote was, I'm always afraid. I'm afraid. I'm always afraid. But let me tell you about all of the things I've done anyway. So I here's my question. Are you afraid? And if the answer is yes, then good. Get out of bed anyway. Just because we step out on faith doesn't mean that the fear disappears. And I'm going to tell you that pretty much all of the stuff that I have ever done, all of the accomplishments, all of the decisions that have um, radically changed my life or minimally even changed my life have all been done in fear, but I did them anyway. And God has been with me through all of them. Uh, I asked my husband out on a date and he said no. Um, obviously he eventually changed his mind since we did get married. Um, uh, I was thinking about uh, that I started my own photography business. I got married and bought a house and had children. And let me just tell you, plenty of things to be afraid of with all of those things. Uh, I went back to school. I homeschooled my kids. I got a dog. I said yes to God about becoming a pastor. I preached. I planted a church. I planned a mission trip to the Philippines and took a team. Uh, I kept preaching. I got out of bed on so many days when I was afraid of what that day might hold. I started a podcast and a blog and a YouTube channel. Sometimes my fear is that I don't have anything important to say or do, but then I have things that are important to me and my fear becomes, what if I don't say them? And what if I don't do them? So God has taught me in these last 25 years that he will, he will teach me 
And he will show me how to use that fear for his good and his holy purposes. I had a friend who said to me, oh, maybe 10 years ago, they said, you're the kind of person that God has to pull the rug out from beneath their feet in order to get them to move. And I will tell you, first of all, that is true. Uh, And that also, uh, I have fallen flat on my face more times than I can count because God was trying to get my attention, that he, he wanted me to move. I was frozen in fear, and so I wasn't making a decision. Uh, and then God humbled me. Sometimes it's our pride that keeps us from being obedient, but also our fear that keeps us from being obedient. All right, now some of you who have followed the podcast before, you know I've talked about strength finders. If you do the strength finders thing, there's 34 strengths that they've categorized and you, you typically use your, your top five or top 10 on a daily basis in, in the decisions you make and the interactions that you have with people. But, you know, I've done all 34. And positivity is, as a strength, is number 19 out of 34. So let me just tell you that I, that on any given day, I am working harder than most people uh, to see the possibilities. On any given day... I am dialing up my ability to see the positive possibilities. My eye is naturally drawn to the impossible. I can see impossibility a mile away. But God has taught me over these last, I guess it's almost 28 years that I've been walking and that I've been following Jesus. So in these last 28 years, uh, he has taught me that he really likes the impossible. I had to get to a place where fear, the fear of doing nothing was greater than the fear of taking a step of faith. I like to phrase it this way. I learned to step out in fear on faith. In other words, I learned to transform the fear into energy to fuel my forward movement. So the fear of injustice fuels me to walk in mercy. Uh, The fear of hate empowers me to love and protect others. The fear of disappointment motivates me to reach higher, but not all fear, and that not all fear is bad, neither is all fear good. So we all all have a certain level of fear. God created us that way. Um, It's, you know, for self-preservation. We live a little bit longer if you're afraid of some things out there. You know, if you're afraid of lions and tigers and bears, it's probably a good thing, especially if you live in the outback, right? Uh, So there's some things that we need to be afraid of. That's why we look both ways or supposed to look both ways when you cross the street. Fear helps us to uh, learn quickly that we don't put our hands on a hot burner, right? So fear has some very positive things. It causes us to stop and think and consider our actions before we take them. So they can be good, but not all fear is good. Some fear is bad. Sometimes our fear paralyzes us and keeps us from experiencing really good things in this world. Sometimes our fear keeps us from accomplishing things that would benefit other people or or benefit the common good, right? So if our fear of failure keeps us from finding uh, a cure to cancer, 
Um, that's not good fear, right? But our fear of cancer might motivate us to find a cure. And so what if, this is what kind of what God's been dealing with me these last couple months of how, how do I use this fear as fuel for his good and holy purposes? And, and I think there's some general ways that he might be challenging us, but then I think there's going to be specific ways for each of our lives. And so it might be the fear of divorce that we say, we're going to use this fear as fuel to get serious about learning how to communicate with our spouse in a healthy way. Uh, might be our, um, our fear of bankruptcy and losing our house. It helps us to get control of our finances or our spending might be fear um, it helps us to get control of our health uh, the way we're eating the way we're taking care of our bodies Um, what what are the ways that fear is going to be used in our lives for some of us it's going to be how we pastor Um, it's going to be how we lead Uh, whatever our other jobs are that we do for bivocational how how do we make our bivocational job work with still being a shepherd, still shepherding our people and leading them? We've we started the conversation uh, about what it will look like to return to in-person gatherings on Sundays or any time during the week, really. But as a community of faith, what will that look like? What are the steps that have to take place? And I said to someone recently, Um, I have to be honest, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry to return to in-person gathering. And and the reason is because I think that God is using this time to break some strongholds in the church. Um, He's using it to break some strongholds in us. And we just keep thrashing around and throwing tantrums rather than allowing God to really do that work in us that needs to be done. Uh, And so I think we're going to just stay here a little bit longer until we're ready to settle down and take a deep breath and listen to really to what God has to say to us. Anyway, like I said, there's, there's strongholds that need to be broken in our churches. And my fear is that if we return too quickly to in-person gatherings, that the work will not be complete. Um, now, God's all about completing the work. So, whether we turn to the right or we turn to the left. So, if we don't do the work now, we will do it later. We will do it at some point. Um, well, I really would hate to see what other methods God might use to get our attention. Uh, now, I'm not saying that God caused the pandemic. Don't me hear me say that. But what is God trying to say to you in this time? What's the work that he wants to do in you and through you, the deeper work that he wants to do in you and through you? And I know that I have a lot of pastors that listen. What's the deeper work he wants to do in you and through your faith community? Because if we don't get there, um, as another one of my friends used to say, if you want your congregation to catch a cold, you have to you have to catch pneumonia first. Uh, I don't, this was way before the pandemic. So he was not referencing COVID, but John Wesley said it this way. If you set yourself on fire, people will come from miles around to watch you burn. 
what what do we have to do? What does God have to do to set us on fire with his Holy Spirit? To purge the dross from our souls? To make us holy like him so that we're, that we lead like him? Uh, apparently for me, I had to quit my job. And he wanted me to do a few more podcasts and write a few more blog posts and create a few more messages. Um, maybe six months ago, seven months ago, something like that. I was feeling feeling like God was, I guess it's been a little bit longer than that. Anyway, feeling like God was calling me to resign my position. Um, and then he opened up a whole new door and, and said, no, I, that's not. What, you're misunderstanding me. This is what I want you to do. I want, I want you to do this. And so one of the things I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to start preaching every other week because, you know, Sundays just come like every seven days. And I don't, I don't know, before the, before the pandemic, right? Why was it that seven days felt like three? And after the pandemic, seven days feel like 15. I don't understand how that works. And so I had set up this plan where uh, I would preach every other Sunday and then the rest of the staff would take turns preaching. They they would rotate out. And so we just kind of kept that going through the pandemic. And now, uh, now that I'm not preaching every single week, I feel like I've got all this, this stuff that I'm not saying. Because even when I am preaching, they're like 15 minutes on Zoom. So it's not even like, I just like the prophet Jeremiah. There's a fire shut up in my bones. How am I? How am I going to? What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? These words, these thoughts, these ideas that are stuck within that I know that God is putting there. How? How am I going to get that out? How am I going to share that? What am I going to do with it? I think He wants all of us to get to that place. It might not be with preaching or speaking or writing. It might be with something else that he's calling you to do. And there's something about this season where we are in that some of our restlessness is not about being bored. It's not about being lonely. It's because God is trying to get our attention. He has stuff he wants us to do. He wants to do a deeper work in us. He has stuff he wants us to say. And we're so busy with our puzzles and our Netflix and our recipe sharing and tinkering outside in the backyard that we're missing what he's trying to say to us. We're so busy trying to think about how and when we can get back to doing all the things we used to do that we're missing the opportunity to really hear what he is saying to us right now. That the restlessness is a fire that is shut up in your bones, that's put there by the Lord. And if we'll just sit still long enough, we'll hear him saying, whether you turn to the right or the left, this is the way you should walk. I know we have a lot of stuff to process, and that's I've been there these last couple of months. The first few weeks was really about figuring out the next 24 hours. And then the next day, it was figuring out the next 24 hours. And then just about the time we figured out where we could plan for seven days at a time, we had to go back to planning to every 24, 48 hours. 
And so that, so it took me a while just to even start processing all of this fear, the thoughts, the anger, the grief, all of that stuff. It took, it took a couple of weeks, maybe a month before I could even start processing it. And I'm not saying it's all, all that's done. I think grief definitely comes in waves, but now I'm in this place and I hope that there are more of us out there like that, like this, we're at this place now where we're ready to just exhale and listen to what God is saying to us. When I was ordained, the, uh, the district superintendent and the district sec- secretary sign, you know, we all, everybody gets a Bible and they sign it and they put a little note in it. And one of them referenced Joshua 1.9. My guess is he, it's probably his life verse. And so he probably put that in everyone's Bibles. It was pertinent for me because Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And someone has said there's 365 references, 365 times that the scriptures tell us do not be afraid, one for every single day of the year. Um, And I don't think God's telling us that we shouldn't feel fear since he's the one who put it there in the first place. But he does want us to recognize that it's fuel. It's fuel to do great things in the name of God. There are some great things that are going to come out of this pandemic because people are afraid. They're they're going to take that fear and they're going to find answers and solutions. They're going to help people. They're going to extend mercy. We've already seen it. The fear of children, low economic children, at-risk children not being able to eat, empowered people to feed children, masses, mass amounts of children in ways they'd never seen before, right? They figured out in the matter of a few days how to feed all the kids, get them meals uh, so that they weren't missing out uh, on their breakfast and lunch that they're supposed to get normally at school. We've we figured out, for those of us who are pastors, we figured out how, within the matter of a few days and weeks, how to minister to our congregations and our communities And it was fueled for most of us by fear that they would be alone, fear that they would lose their way in this time, that our our congregation would lose their way in this time, fear that the lost aren't going to hear the message. So this last week, I've been allowing myself to feel the fear as I sit in God's presence and then ask him this question, now how shall I live? What shall I do with the fear that your good and holy purposes might be accomplished. And I will pray for you as you ask God the same question and listen for his answer. 